Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. From the offices of Create and Cultivate, I'm Jacqueline Johnson, and this is Work Party, a podcast for working women that support each other's successes. In each episode, we bring in leading female powerhouses for career, real talk, and BS-free advice. Ready to create and cultivate the career of your dreams? Well, welcome to Work Party, the podcast. Hi, I'm Caroline Stanbury, and I am divorced, not dead. I'm a former Bravo TV star and now former wife. Fresh off the back of my divorce, I'm bringing real stories, real life, real talk on all things that aren't said between each other, society, the sheets, and everything in the middle. And lucky me, you'll be joining me for the journey. So buckle up. So welcome back to another episode of Divorce Not Dead. And I'm super excited today to have Peter Crone on the show. You are a speaker, an author, and I haven't heard this one before, but um, you'll tell me what it is. Mind architect. Is that right? Yeah. Relationship expert as well, right? Yes. I can throw that in the hat of tricks that I have many and we're both Brits. So that's, that's good. So the today's episode is going to be really good because you're going to get my sarcastic, dry sense of humor. We were just discussing what kind of topics we were going to talk about. There are two types of women, the woman that's sort of the serial data, serious relationship person, the one that never seems to fall, never hits the ground. She sort of bounces back every turn. And it's just, if, if one guy fails, there's a new one in. And then there's the yeah. bitter one who everything, you know, she's always the victim. Everything always happens to her. Life is shit. All men are awful. And, and there's no good men left. And then I was thinking, you said something about, you know, you also deal a lot with depression, suicide, things like this. We're, we're near Christmas. It's a very hard time for people. We're in the middle of a pandemic. This is going to be magnified this Christmas. Yeah, yeah. So I wanted to talk about like, how do you pull yourself out of something like this? If you're going through a breakup, you're in the middle of a pandemic, it's Christmas time because suicides and things like this right now have completely, it's, it's up 200%. People are in financial ruin and it's a very depressing sort of scenario and you can't see the other side or I mean, a lot of people can't. And it's for everybody, by the way, it, it has no boundaries. It doesn't matter what financial background you're from. It's affecting yeah. everybody. Well, I love how our beat the beginning of the show is. 
<laughs> well, I mean, we can, you know, we can change, but I, 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 it's, it, I think I'm, people I'm ask... kidding, darling. We're two Brits here. I can, I bring as much sarcasm as you can. I'm just feeling for everybody at home who's listening and go, wow, this is going to be really fun. Now I like to inject a lot of humor with my healing. You know, I think it's a, uh, it's an, it's a wonderful modality for people to find some lightheartedness, especially as you said, during trying times. And there certainly is a lot going on. I, I think for myself as a very loving, caring, compassionate human being, and as a man, that I'm happy to call a sensitive man in this day and age. I, it, uh, it does pain me to see just the, the collateral damage of these, what I would say are asinine choices a lot of these apparent leaders are making where millions of lives are being affected. I mean, now it's a, it's a statistical fact that more people are dying of suicide than COVID in Japan. And I'm sure that would be the same in many countries if they actually kept track. It's all under the guise of this is for your safety. Meanwhile, people are losing their livelihoods and unable to feed their family. I don't know how that qualifies as being safe. But anyway, yes, it's trying times. And so your question of how do we get out of this? Well, one of my Not quotes that I it, use but is... How do you keep, how do you change your mindset? It is easy to think there's no, you know, there's, it's not going to get better. Or, yeah. and, you know, and, and forget even COVID. It's just, I think people, I see it with friends who just, as I said, with bad breakups or, or with money or, you know, some, mm -hmm. one of the biggest questions I get is how do I get divorced and earn money? You know, and I think yeah. people see no way out in so many different situations. Yeah. There's a lot to cover just in that one question, right? Like, so the, the default setting really of a human being's mind is to predict and protect, right? That's what the brain is designed to do. So you asked earlier, like, what is a mind architect? I mean, that's become my moniker that now people are sort of associating with me because I created it because it generated curiosity. If I say I'm a spiritual teacher, you know, that's sort of contaminated. People might think I walk around in long flowing robes and I, you know, adorn people with coconut oil and feathers or something. Um, <laughs> and if I'm like a, if I'm a psychotherapist, you know, that's it's also got some sort of connotation to it. So Mind Architect to me was a natural fit for the fact that this is the area that I'm focused on between the years and I'm redesigning people's inner thinking space. It's sort of tenant improvements for the skull. So uh, the default setting of most human beings is to look at the future through a lens of concern, right? One of my quotes, I say, people are trying to avoid a bad future that hasn't happened yet. So to your two women archetypes that you were talking to earlier, you know, the one that is like, there's no good men around and they're all gone and it's like all doom and gloom. She's really, you know, really buying into that perspective that the future is just lousy versus the woman who's perhaps more upbeat and has got this sort of skip in her step and believes that like it's all going to work out. Her future is just uh, sort of looking through rose tinted glasses. Either way, the thing I want people to understand is it's all fictitious, right? Because we, we never know what the future is because we're never in it. And, and even though I might say that in 10 seconds, if you really get it, it's a very profound dis uh, distinction. I was about to say, I quite like that. I often ask a question for my clients. I say, you know, like, have you ever been in your future? And you never have. So what are you actually up against as it relates to your idea of your future? It's just a perspective. It's a perception. It's a projection that your brain is creating. Now, invariably, as I said, the brain is designed to predict and protect because we're here to survive. The primordial incentive of every organism is to survive. So your brain is going to take past experience 
and superimpose it into a potential future. So if I take one of my athletes, for example, if they had struggled, say one of my basketball players was having a lousy season as it related to free throws, this one guy is helping, the league average was 75%, his average was 37%. So for someone who's being paid millions of dollars to perform, you know, there was a lot of embarrassment and shame around that. And then what happened is his brain is now worried about every time he goes to the free throw line. Why? Because he's got a history that is informing him that that's not good. Don't do that again, right? That's just basic physics of how we learn. The trouble is that becomes self-perpetuating. So again, I tell people the past hurt informs future fear. So wherever we've had disappointments, failures, upsets, hurts, then the brain is like, well, don't do that again. But then what people don't realize is in trying to avoid something, you keep perpetuating it. So for the woman who says there's no great men out there, I guarantee you all that's happened is she got hurt once and she never let it go or she never accepted it or reconciled it. So even though she's perceiving the world as like void of good men, which is nonsensical, right? I mean, there's 8 billion people, half of them at least are men, or at least male, you know, and then if you were to break it down into the appropriate age groups, you know, you still got probably a billion people to play with. <laughs> so to say that there are no good men or women is, is, is nonsensical. So really what, what it's revealing is that somebody got hurt, they don't have a sense of self-worth or value, and that they're projecting that into a future that hasn't even happened yet. And so it just becomes self-fulfilling. So I undo all of that. That's amazing. And how do you undo that, for God's sakes? <laughs> well, just by realizing it's all made up. You're literally living in a fictitious, whether it's a nightmare or a fairy tale, you're making it up. I said to, I'll give you the, just to wrap up the story of the basketball player so it gives context. When I said to him, what if I told you that for the rest of the season, you'd shoot league average, which was 75% versus his 37, how would you feel? He, I mean, his face lit up. He was like a little boy again. He said, wow, that'd be freaking amazing. I said, what I just proposed to you is as real as the future you're worried about. Why? Because we're still sitting in your freaking kitchen. But do you see, so when you become conscious about the way you project your future, then you, you elicit a different state in the moment. Meaning when people have fear, anxiety, worry, those emotions are just reflections of your brain predicting a bad future. When you have joy, happiness, and excitement, it's just your brain predicting a good future. You're still making it up. That's easier to understand in a relationship. So like I remember when I was getting divorced or deciding to get divorced, I, you know, obviously you play out every bad scenario that could possibly happen to you. You're never going to meet anyone. Yeah. Uh, you're going to lose your home. You're never going to get another yeah. job. All of those things. But, you know, but say that you are feeling that way, anxious and anxiety and things like this, you know, for other reasons. So you have like court cases or you have things like, you know, real issues right now. I don't know, you own a restaurant for God's sake, you know, any yeah. of these things you have, you have staff, like how do you stop yourself falling into that negative future vision when you have an actual real problem in front of you, you know, whether you, whether there's no good men out there or not, that's, you know, yeah. I understand that's a different kind of thing to having a physical problem. Yeah, yeah. No, I understand. For me, it's not it's not about stopping it so much, right? Like we're 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 programmed to think that certain negative certain emotions are negative and we don't want them and we're going to try and, you know, uh encourage the positive emotions. That to me is uh, it's a futile game because you're denying the fact that we have a suite of emotions as human beings, right? Like I often give the metaphor if you had a a dinner party and you had to invite all of your emotions, 
as you go through the list of the, the guest list, you'd be like, yeah, I'm definitely going to bring joy and happiness and comedy and playfulness and positivity. I can't wait for them to be at dinner. And then you look at the list it's like, oh gosh, do I really have to bring anger? Like he's such a pain in the ass. And then, oh, I'm really, I'm going to bring like misery and depression. I don't want them. And anxious is always like restless at the table. But the point is, if you're going to be a big enough human being, you want to be able to make space for all your emotions. So I'm not denying that millions of people's lives right now are being detrimentally affected, for which I have nothing but love and compassion. So rather than stopping the emotions, it's about being very practical, right? Like, you know, I'm, I guess it's part of my Virgo nature and being British, which is, okay, you do something or you don't about it. Right, what I say is put your big boy pants on. Yes, exactly. You know, just... You, you deal with it. I mean, I worked with some of the Navy SEALs and that's their motto, you know, it's like deal with it. Like, and they're dealing with life or death situations. When we become victims of circumstance and we could all at some level argue that we are, you know, to varying degrees, right? Like somebody, for somebody, they're victim of circumstances that they have to wear a mask walking into a grocery store. But that pales in comparison to somebody who has to lay off 20 workers from a restaurant and they don't know when they're going to be able to pay rent, you know? So, it's still the same energy. The context is just to varying degrees of significance, right? So for me, what it breeds is one, a sense of profound acceptance that life is the way it is right now. And it might not be ideal. And I don't condone some of the behaviors, as I said, these tyrannical leaders are uh, making, but there is a, there's an opportunity to develop trust, right? Which is in ways that we don't understand that life is unfolding for our benefit in the long run, even if there's a short-term hardship right now. And I can only speak from personal experience, of course, which is, you know, my mom died when I was seven. I didn't want that. My, my dad then died when I was 17. That didn't seem good. I'm now orphaned. I don't have siblings. And yeah, I turned out okay. And then, you know, however many other girlfriends I had that I thought I was love with at the time, and that didn't work out, you know, what clients I had, what money I lost on the stock market, you know, there's not a human being on the planet who doesn't go through their own version of trials and tribulations and a shit ton of adversity. So it's to what degree are you able to deal with it? So that made you the person you are today. So without all of those things, no matter how hard and I mean, pretty horrific, actually. But I guess, yeah. you know, this has made you the person you are today. How do you suggest going through some, all of those terrible things that you can find sort of, I think what we were trying to look at today was like contentness and unhappiness, you know, changing your mindset, you know, for people that, yeah. whether it's a bad relationship, whether it's a, a business problem right now, it is a mindset to be able yeah. to, you know, no matter what, like I always do everything with a smile and it's not easy. You know, I got divorced this year. I've definitely like had issues living here. I've had, you know, I've got old problems with an old business and legal stuff that I'm dealing with, you know, but I make everything look pretty and I ha still have, you know, my kids will never see me down. I have three beautiful right. children. I can't afford to go and lie upstairs and close the door and shut the world out. I actually have to, I have to deal every bloody day. My kids have to get up. They, I have to sort, you know, everything else up. You, I, you don't get to stop. So, yeah. you know, I'm maybe not as sensitive with people because I'm like, get your shit together, get up and deal with yeah. it. That's my motto right. too, but you may be a little bit kinder. 
Um, I think, yes. I mean, but that is the undercurrent. That's the subtext of my messaging is, uh, yeah, you're extraordinary and just handle it, right? But I do think for mothers particularly, I have such a soft spot because I think you women and particularly mothers just don't get enough acknowledgement. You know, I think it's really extraordinary what a woman's capable of and certainly what a mother's capable of. And I don't think men really get it uh, because biologically they can't. But I do wish and I appeal to all, you know, the men listening today and all my male friends, I always ask them to just like, just take a minute, take a pause and just try and comprehend what your wife, your girlfriend, your mother, your grandmother, what, what they actually have done for you, what they're capable of in ways that you don't perhaps really give sufficient credit. So that's the first thing I think that women need to collectively as a tribe of women, as a community, to just really acknowledge one another for what you all do, even if guys are a little bit oblivious. That's a little bit of a hall pass, right? Where you can say, oh, it's okay to feel down every now and again. It's okay to feel overwhelmed. It's okay to feel helpless. So that's perhaps where I bring a little bit more sensitivity and compassion. You know, I would even say to you that, look, if you did want to shut the door upstairs and just have a good cry for a minute, it's okay. You can embrace your humanity. And see, it's not an either or. It's, it's allow your emotions and you're committed to being a role model for your children and being upbeat for your friends and professional associates, whatever it is, which is great. But I, but I would invite even you to make space for your humanity. I do. I run upstairs, have, I bawl my eyes out and come back down. But then <laughs> it's really hard. Like, I mean, I run my office from home. So everybody's here. You can't see to the right, but everybody sits here and I've got the three kids here. And so, yeah. uh, you know, I don't get private time. My, my head is in 60 different places because, you know, I have a podcast, yeah. I have a business, I'm the face of five different businesses. I, you know, I've got three kids. So, and three individuals that want to go to different places. So your head is like yeah. a Rubik's cube in the day. Whereas I think yeah. men get to close the door and go to their office job and open the computer and then yeah. answer their emails yeah. from the same spot. So nice. <laughs> I get it. And I would say, you know, I would invite people listening to, rather than look at circumstance, look at the fact that this dimension of planet Earth is set up perfectly for everybody. And by that, I mean not perfect as in, oh, it's perfect. I don't believe in this Pollyanna-ish idea of everything's perfect. Everything's the way it is. And sometimes it's just fucking difficult. Let's face it. Excuse my French. But, you know, you will attract the circumstances required for your soul's evolution. So for you, you're the face of five companies, you've got three kids, you have this, you don't have any private time, blah, 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 you've got a pod. Okay, that's your circumstance. For somebody else, you know, they're trying to run a little primary school or they've got a restaurant or they've got a startup company, they don't have a kid, they have six kids, they're divorcing. So basically my point is everybody's going to have the circumstances that are appropriate for their own evolution. So rather than looking at the circumstance as the excuse for your suffering, look at the circumstance as the opportunity for your evolution. And that's where I find it fascinating that we can all be on this shared ball of mud flying through space, but you are going to attract everything that you need for your own uh, awakening. And rather than battling the circumstances, I always like to see, okay, well, where do I get triggered? Where do I get upset? Because that's an opportunity for me to discover where I'm still not recognizing how extraordinary I am. Because in my world, everybody's immensely powerful. You are creating your own reality, whether you realize it or not. And a lot of people might poo-poo that. They're like, well, I didn't create my cancer or I didn't create my divorce. I would assert that at a deeper level that you're oblivious to, you did. You know, it wasn't conscious for which there's no quote unquote 
judgment or accountability. But nonetheless, from my perspective, looking at spiritual evolution, we create everything such that we get whatever lessons it is that we need to, to adopt. Now, that's not always easy. You know, like for somebody to say, well, gosh, I was raped when I was 12 and I help a lot of people through that kind of abuse when they're young. How did I attract that? And again, I can't speak to the mechanics or the formula of how it works. But for whatever reason in this incarnation, the karma is such that you're going to attract whatever circumstances you're requiring for your own reconciliation of whatever you think are your inadequacies and insecurities, right? You're always going to find, if you're somebody who feels that as a woman, let's look at a very stereotypical situation where she does attract a man who is, let's not say abusive, because that's very difficult if he's physically abusive, but maybe a little verbal abusive and then slowly down the scale, perhaps doesn't even acknowledge her or recognize her or revere her or respect her, then it's easy to say, well, he's a, he's a dick or he doesn't care. But then who are you as a woman that attracts that kind of partner? That to me says a lot more about the individual than the man that she might have attracted. That's the opportunity is go, wow, if I allow somebody like that into my life who treats me with disregard, then what does that say about how I treat myself, right? Because somebody who has their own worth, who has a sense of value, isn't either going to attract that in the first place, or they're certainly not going to withstand it. So that's where it's revelatory, right? Like whatever happens, it's going to reveal what is our view of ourselves? What is that's the ultimate relationship, right? Like we started talking about relationships. I love talking about relationships because life is relationship. We only know anything. We only experience anything through relativity. So the ultimate relationship without sounding cliche is our relationship to ourself. And that's what I help people to discover, which is, you know, it sounds cliche, but true self-love. Like if I find true, true value and the essence of who I am and really own that, then I can only attract circumstances and people who are equally going to match me. It's funny you say that because I just got back from climbing the Himalayas and oddly... Just, just today before the podcast. <laughs> three, uh, I four, out this morning to climb the Himalayas, love. <laughs> while I was up the Himalayas, I had an epiphany as to what the fuck was wrong with me. Um, okay, tell me. Uh, and I was like, well, it was indicative of my whole life. Like, honestly, who goes to the Himalayas without understanding what the fuck you're about to do? I went higher than base camp. Uh -huh. <laughs> like, I mean, like, but I was determined not to give up. The first day, both my knees gave way and I, <laughs> I don't really walk very far. And um, I did 10 minutes on a treadmill incline 12. And I thought that was enough. I was too busy That's to perfect preparation for the Himalayas. <laughs> and I think it's the Himalayas anyway. But oh, anyway, is it? Well, there you go. I laughed halfway up and I was, I'm, I'm really stubborn. So of course I had to finish. And um, I just went to myself, this is so indicative of me. Like I literally think I thought I was going for a country walk and I'd be back in a minute. And it wasn't till the helicopter dropped me off on this mountain, as I said, that I realized the gravity of what was about to happen to me. And I'm really glad actually that I hadn't worked it out till I was up there. And I couldn't understand why North Face kept giving me more and more clothes. I'm like, I don't need those. <laughs> but I did need them. I needed every piece of it. Anyway, I, I was like, I, I never think things through and I never look at the other side or the concept I'm just like, yeah, I'll do it. You know, I, I don't ask the right questions, do I? Clearly. Um, <laughs> I don't ask the right questions. I don't look at, I don't look things up. I don't really, you know, consider 
the consequences to my action because there was a big consequence to that. I was stuck on it, but I'm proud of myself for achieving it. I went all the way yeah. through. And I think if someone like myself could do that, then, you know, humans, we're pretty fucking amazing. You pretty know, resilient. Yeah. Yeah, we yeah. are. And like, I think, I think everyone that was watching me was so shocked because they know me from what I do here and how I am and maybe from the show that I don't think anyone thought I was really going to make it. Or I don't think anyone thought I was going either, by the way. But, um, <laughs> but when I got there, you know, it just, I think that, you know, I want to say to people also just grab it. Like, you know, it is something I will never, ever forget. It is yeah. something that I've made great friends on that mountain. Like, you know, yeah. really, really enjoyed them. And yeah. it is so outside my comfort zone and maybe, okay, you don't have to go to the Himalayas to get outside your comfort zone. But I really think that that is important to step back yeah. from your normal life, take yourself so far away from it and yeah. then, you know, go and go and do you. Yeah. And that's where really what I speak to in a much subtler level about the idea of spiritual evolution, which I was speaking to earlier, right? Like that life is going to challenge what, what you're calling comfort zones. The comfort zone is illusion, right? It's really, it's the current scope that you function within, but really that's, there's no expansion to be had there. Like the joy of being human is the fact that we get to see what we're capable of. And you can only get to see what you're capable of once you step out of that, which you currently know yourself to be but that can be scary for people. So doing, you know, big events like this, whether it's the Himalayas or Everest or doing a triathlon or running a marathon, you know, these things that we see in everyday life or we did see before everyone was told to lock themselves in their freaking houses, you know, is, is that opportunity to overcome perceived uh, limitation. That, that to me is the joy of the human spirit. Pivoting. Being able to pivot and put any hat on, that's what it taught me too. Because I think so many people get crushed in, a, in their self-esteem and their ego if, if life doesn't take them, you know, on a straight trajectory, you know, and, and it doesn't quite go the way they want. They can't, they can't see how to change. And I think the one thing that I do in my life is if one door closes, I'll, I'll try, you know, I'll try something else. Yeah. And that's where, you know, I use the expression smooth seas never made a good sailor. So meaning that, you know, people think that they're, they're under the impression that they want everything to go their way. First of all, that is a complete disservice to your capacity as a human being. So you don't grow. And then secondly, I didn't get the memo that anyone was in charge of the universe. So like pull your head out of your butt and realize that it's not up to you how life delivers what happens. And there's a lot of humility in that, right? It's like, okay, this might not be what I want, but since when am I in charge of how things are supposed to go? You know, there's an audacious perspective in that, right? Like, oh, they shouldn't have done that. Or So you've, just, you've got to have acceptance. If you want to be at peace, you do. <laughs> you don't have to have acceptance. A lot of people don't. They have a lot of adversity. They have a lot of fight. They have a lot of anger. They have a lot of frustration. That's how most people deal with life. But what I'm helping people to, to really find is that sense of peace. What is peace? Peace is the natural byproduct of being in harmony with reality as it is right now. And I'm not saying that it's easy, but it is the way it is. Adjusting to your reality right now. Yeah, adjusting, you know, like it's a combination, right? Like it's reconciling your history, meaning whatever's happened has happened. So for you, you got divorced, you showed up on the Himalayas with, you know, your little cute bag, thinking you're going on a cute hike or <laughs> whatever it was. And, you know, it's like, okay, well, that didn't go too well. And then you have to have profound acceptance for where you are right now and the way things are. 
And then, as I said earlier, start to consciously create the future that you're committed to. That's how I help people understand their relationship to time. But most people don't do that at all. They fully, fully unaccept their history, which leaves them in a state of guilt, shame, frustration, anger. They certainly don't want their present, which gives them a sense of resistance and suffering. And they're scared about their future. <laughs> That's how most people live their lives. And then they wonder why they're on medications and have to drink so much. I know. And I, you know, that, and that is another problem. I think people, you know, the, the medication people take, you know, like Xanax and all of these things to sort of get you through anxiety, which sort of, I don't know, dulls you a little bit. How can you make conscious, strong decisions? I think everything can be changed if you keep your wits with you. You know, you put your big girl pants on and then decide, you know, and that's the way to find find your inner happiness. Okay, life doesn't always go the way the way we want. I mean, you can't plan for all these things. You don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, but tomorrow is always another day. But, you know, finding your inner happiness is, you know, I guess looking around exactly where you have right now. But I mean, that, that's the other thing. People, the trouble is everyone's sort of losing it now. Mm-hmm. Losing it in terms of possessions or losing Possessions and, you know, things and the things they've built yeah. up. And that's yeah. very hard to find your inner happiness hard, in the middle of that. I mean, but, you know, on the other hand, do you find some sort of therapy? I, I find when if people try a lot of therapy, then mm-hmm. you become sort of over therapized. I don't know what you say, but they, it's kind of like it's like saying it's OK to have this emotion and, you know, to stay in this yeah. state. And from what I've heard from you, you have the same sort of vision as I do, which is pull your socks up, get out of bed. You know, you can't do anything from lying right here. I find that sometimes you have these type of people that just, you know, hide from the world. And, you know, and sometimes when you go to a therapist, they kind of go, okay, well, you know, they, they kind of like placate them and say it's, it's okay to feel yeah. this way, but they don't really give them the tools to help them like do you, right. what would you suggest to people or how can you help people find their inner peace and one word responsibility right so it's a big word that most people don't want to take on and it's also misconstrued most people take responsibility to have something to do with fault you know oh you're responsible and that's not how i speak about it i'm speaking about like you are the creator of your life you know i deal with the world of physics right again i said earlier like okay the mind architect it's a new moniker people have to then ask what's that it generates a conversation versus saying i'm a spiritual teacher but i'm really a physicist what does that mean i'm dealing with the physics of reality right there's consequences i would never judge anyone for doing heroin but there's consequences. I would equally never judge a 16 year old who's smashing a car window to steal someone's iPhone, you know, but there's consequences if he gets caught. If I knew his history and that he was raised by a single mother and his dad was in prison and his mom was a crack addict. And the only way that he found any sense of companionship or belonging was in a local gang, then is he a bad kid or is that all he knew? And that's how he survived. I'm not saying that the behavior is condoned and there aren't consequences of going to jail or whatever, but you'd, you'd, you'd have compassion. So, so do you see, it's a, it's a little bit of both. I like the fact that you're very direct with people and your friends and I'm the same, but I also want to meet people where they're at with a bit of compassion to begin with, because without knowing anybody's history, you can't fully understand why they're making the choices they're making. That's why I said psychologically, emotionally, physically, you have to get to the root cause of what's driving somebody's choices. 
right? So again, the guy who goes to the doctor, has high blood pressure, gets medication, he hasn't dealt with anything. So likewise, psychologically, if somebody keeps getting the anxiety or they're not paying their bills or they keep retracting, you know, a lousy boyfriend, like instead of looking out there, let's look at who am I in the way that I generate the experience of my life so that I can be responsible for it. That well, comes back to the first word. That's also an interesting one because I keep attracting a lousy boyfriend. Well, is it that the guys are lousy or do, do they do something? Do they push buttons in them that makes them this person around them? Yeah. Well, well, the latter, that's why I said it's always about, it's revelatory is what I say. Like it reveals us, right? The, the woman, it's, first of all, there's no such thing as a lousy person, right? That's a subjective analysis. Because if I were to interview his best friend and how they hang out at the golf club, he's like, no, he's amazing. He'd do anything for you. you know. And I talked to his mom or his dad, they would have their view, right? So basically what we're seeing is our own perspective of life, not someone you know, the lousy quote unquote title that somebody might put on their partner, their boyfriend, their, their husband is generated by themselves. And as I said earlier, that to me warrants self-inquiry, meaning, well, who am I that I would allow that in my life? You know, like a Meryl Streep isn't going to end up with a lousy boyfriend because she, without knowing her personally, from what I can ascertain, has a pretty high opinion of herself. <laughs> You know what I mean? So that's the opportunity for women. And again, I'm such a stand for women because, you know, you, you ladies have had it tough for, you know, centuries, right? Like, I mean, forget about me too. Prior to that, the abuse and the neglect, you know, it, it's just, it's abhorrent. It's disgusting how men have treated women over the years. But, but I do also appeal to women to wake up and stop tolerating shit, you know? And so if you, you are somebody in a pattern where you do have a partner who doesn't, I mean, forget about abuse, right? That's just completely unacceptable. But if they don't love and revere you, that to me is still a form of abuse. You know, maybe I'm a hopeless romantic, but I think if you're not revering a woman, then you're missing the point, you know? So then it's, a, it's incumbent upon the woman to see, okay, who am I in this relationship that doesn't allow for or attract a man to completely respect me? That's, I think, that's I the think responsibility we've been taught... Part that, you know, a marriage sort of becomes like a business in the end mm. when you have kids and everything else like that, that, you know, you look at those, you look at the couples that are sort of snogging on the street and you go, and as, when you become a mum or you've been married a long time, you go, okay, well, that's just, you know, they're in the honeymoon phase. That's not for me. That's oh, never yeah. going to happen. Exactly. Never going to happen again. And that's really, you know, and I have so many friends like that sort of in semi-unhappy marriages that sort of, you know, yeah. they've outgrown each other really, but they're not prepared to say it to one of one another. Yeah. And I understand because, you know, from our generation, we were told to stick it out. You know, yeah. you stick it out to the end and that's what you're going to do when you're going to die with that person regardless. Right. And I, I understand that because it's the way we were brought up. I personally think that, you know, finding your inner happiness and all of these kind of things are so important for us now because the world has changed. And I would give a very different message now to my daughter about, you know, marriage and where we have to end up. And you, yeah. I think you're absolutely right. Like if you could, we took one takeaway or anything from this, like how would you talk to a young girl now to find her inner peace and to sort of, you know, they're like life lessons to navigate this world. And this is where, again, I, my main focus, my predominant invitation for people is to discover that loving relationship with yourself. Like 
to be totally at peace with oneself means that then you can at least experience that with other, whether it be another person, mother nature, you know, your, your possessions. Like if we are under the impression that our happiness is generated by some exogenous form, meaning out there, somebody, something, then it's not going to end well. Because if that something or someone is taken away from you, whether it be through death or choice, or they leave you or you leave, then, then you're saying that I'm not complete or I'm not going to be happy. But if so, to a young girl, to answer your question, whether it be your daughter or someone else's daughter, I would just educate the shit out of them in terms of how extraordinary they are and to just really nurture and cherish their own self-worth. That would be the precursor to a beautiful relationship with that girl and and guy doesn't really matter and then that itself would lead into naturally much healthier relationships the abuse the disharmony and the disregard that we see between people in relationships is a reflection of the disharmony and disregard that exists within an individual you know again one of my quotes i say it's all well and good that we want to have well peace but it's impossible when people are at war with themselves the battle is internal right like so that to me is where we're going as a species is to help people wake up, see how extraordinary they are, discover their true essence of love and freedom and value and live from those qualities versus trying to find it outside of yourself. I just read this amazing book on a final note called Living Fully. And it was written by a monk. And he says that, you know, life is like an egg timer. You owe, and it goes, you know, the sand time and it goes so fast. In Buddhism, they only look forward, they don't look back. And I think yeah. that that is the way to live your life. Well, if you think of the expression, look forward, right? Oh, I'm looking forward to seeing you, right? That is a future that we're creating. We're, I'm looking forward to going to this dinner tonight with friends. Or I'm looking forward to this event. Like it's, it's, it's a future proposition that has got some connotation of something that we want, right? And that's self-generated, just like the basketball player I was telling you about earlier. You know, I proposed, I look forward to a good future for him versus that his brain was naturally creating one that he was worried about. Now, in both cases, they're fictitious. As I said, we were still sitting in his kitchen. So that's where you start to tap into the power of self-generating a future that you can that you can be inspired by. So do you believe in meditation on a final note? Like, do you think those kind of things work? Like if we go to bed, I, so I how they, do you- They're very helpful and not so much as a strategy towards something, but really as a method of discovering something inward, right? I feel if somebody really understands meditation and they have a powerful meditation, you get a glimpse of something that is so profound, which is your essence, right? You become, quote unquote, removed from your circumstances and your surroundings. And you find, without sounding cliche, this inner sense of bliss, like, oh, I'm not thinking about anything other than I'm in harmony. I'm with, in union with my true nature. That's what yoga is. Like yoga is about yoking or uniting. And so meditation is that glimpse. It's like all of the plant medicines that are all on vogue right now, from ayahuasca to psilocybin or whatever. They give people a glimpse of something that transcends the human plane. And it's like, oh, gosh, that feels so good. There's and it's more not out because, there. Pardon? There's more out there. It's not just about the way we're feeling right now. 
Yeah, and I would even say it's more in here, not more out there, right, is the way I would actually phrase it. Like, it's discovering, wow, I'm extraordinary by virtue of the fact that that's my inherent nature. It's not because I got a promotion or somebody gave me a compliment or because I've got a lot of money in my bank account. That does not give me my value. Those are all transitory. But what if I could discover value that is inherent? What, could I what if I could discover a sense of worth that is independent of anything outside of me? That's true value. So I think our final takeaway is really inner peace and uh, sort of inner happiness comes from loving yourself and just simply knowing your worth, which a lot of us don't at this point, yeah. um, or a lot of us hinge our self-worth and love on other things or external things, and they can only come. And I always say that the only person, girls or boys listening, is that can make you happy is you. There's nobody else. So thank you so much, Peter. That has been really interesting. I'm so happy to have had you on. It was amazing. Pleasure. Yeah, I hope people get a lot from it. Like I genuinely care about humans and I just want to sort of reframe the way that people relate to themselves and others and go, wait a minute, is it really true that the way I feel is dependent on my circumstances or are circumstances just the way they are? They don't have to be good. They don't have to be what I want. But can I find peace and harmony irregardless of how things are? And this is the important part, remain committed to a future that I consciously want to create. Because it's not about some people misunderstand being in surrender or acceptance with circumstances like, oh, it's apathy. It's like, well, what's the point? No, that's peace. If I can find harmony with the way things are now, that's peace. And it's both. I want to create an extraordinary future for myself. It's peace and it's not being weak which I think, you know, people get mixed up with. You don't have to fight everything. You can accept, you can, you know, and I think that's that's extremely brave and it gives a lot of um, peace inside. Thank you very much. I'm sure everybody's going to enjoy this one and get a lot from it. I certainly have. Thank you so well, much for joining me tonight. You. Thank you for listening to Divorce Not Dead. Tune in next Wednesday for a new episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. We'd love to hear from you. Follow me on social media at, at Caroline Stanbury for all the behind-the-scene action. 